0: Uh, left guard so it's an interesting situation and i think it's one that um will be surprising if at the end of this thing the titans end up with ben jones and without nate davis Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, February the 6th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I am joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you on this fine Monday morning?
1: I'm good. I like that uh, little dramatic pause for effect there. That was um, not effect. That was me breathing. I just I decided to <laughs> one just breath, to push all of the stuff at the up. beginning that yeah. everyone's
0: heard a million times, get it out of the way.
1: And now here we are into the, the meat of the show. But um, did you have a good weekend? I did. It was and first weekend without football or like really any major sporting things going on. So from that perspective, it was pretty boring. But I did find a way to have a good weekend nonetheless.
0: Yeah, I found myself not really sure what to do um, for a good bit of the weekend. Because it is, like you said, the first weekend we've had since like the beginning of August with no football um, regular season or preseason very strange um this is one of the weirder weekends of the year it'd be less strange to me if the season was over but the fact that it's not that's what's kind of holding holding me back from moving on mentally you know what i mean we talked about that last episode but that's kind of where i'm at i'm ready for the super bowl not that i'm ready for it to be over i am excited for the offseason, but i'm excited for the super bowl but i'd like to get it done and so that we could you know put this put a bow on this season um but we did of course today on sunday when we're recording this we got a little taste of What we really all have come for to uh, watch in the NFL, and that is the Pro Bowl. And this year, it's the Pro Bowl games. That's what we had uh, at our disposal for the Pro Bowl this year. And uh, pardon me while I fiddle with my light in this super professional setting I have here. There we go. Got to make sure um, we look good as well as sound good, which I guess this makes it as good a time as any to remind everybody that if you're listening to this via podcast, You can watch the show on YouTube. Go over to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. We've been working really, really hard in the past week to up our game on social media. That includes YouTube. Our YouTube uh, graphics and elements are much improved. They are really gorgeous and make for a fantastic viewing experience, if I do say so myself. And then we're also going to have cut-ups of most of our episodes, um, highlights throughout the day most every day of the week, um, you know, just, just highlighting certain segments and players that we talk about. It makes it really easy this time of year when we're talking about individual players on most every episode that we'll have basically post Super Bowl, all the way through the end of April um, into May. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing. And we're excited to get as much content out about this off season as we possibly can. So that's the drill. Go over to YouTube, subscribe, broadsportsmedia.com or go, go there generally speaking, but, To watch, go to YouTube, Broly Sports Media on YouTube, our YouTube page. You can subscribe there and get not just all the episodes of this show, but all the football and other F-words shows, um, the Mike Herndon show when it comes back. um, There's there's a lot of good stuff over there, so go check it out. Um, Today, kind of a weird show, JT. Uh, We're not going to sit here, unfortunately, and spend an hour talking about the Pro Bowl games, which I will say um, both things can be true. They, They were pretty boring. And also markedly better than the Pro Bowl as
1: constituted in the past. Do you
0: agree? or?
1: I mean, yeah, for the most part. I found myself while I was doing some work earlier today, like looking up at some of like the um flag football moments and yeah. kind of like kick tac toe or something like that and i was like mm-hmm. oh that's kind of fun you know but i wasn't i wasn't tac toe super... where
0: titans legend morgan cox won the game by himself by the way that's yeah no literally Him and justin tucker
1: about. were like a cheat code in that game but i they saw were. something on Twitter that was like these pro bowl games are just kind of like all those like late 90s like Nickelodeon shows where they had all the contestants like doing it, random it's, stuff it's and like, I was like um, that is so
0: true what were those shows called like uh, legend of the hidden temple yeah like was one of legend them legend of the
1: hidden temple and then they uh, it's it's escaping my brain what is the it the one where they climb the mountain
0: at the end that you're thinking about
1: Yeah, the one where there's like all the uh, like Olympic athletic type games and right and
0: then at the end it's the crag or whatever they have to climb up. Yeah, exactly. And I just for the life of me uh, could
1: not remember what it's called, but I saw it on Twitter earlier today and I was like, that makes so much sense to me at least. That these are exactly like that.
0: That's what it that's totally what it was. Legend of the Hidden Temple was a was an all-time classic, but the one you're talking about was Oh, I'm going to find it before we move on. I, I refuse to figure it out with another one guts. It was guts, guts at the that's big, at the yes. big, like icicle looking trophy that looked way too heavy for these kids to to hold. Um, Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was, but it, it was less fun than that in the sense that <laughs> it was uh, they, they needed to do a better job of incorporating the non flag football games into like a crowd environment. They did it in like a practice facility of the Raiders. And it was very, strange and impersonable and you could tell that the players were kind of like what are we doing I know Josh Jacobs had a quote at some point over the weekend saying that the entire thing was ridiculous essentially even though he was one of the running backs there so yeah that's our take on the Pro Bowl um they can it it continues to be just uh, I think it's trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole at this point just the sport of football doesn't really it's not conducive with a great all-star game viewing experience. It's just tough. So they're doing their best, and they improved this year, but it wasn't exactly riveting. Today's show will be um, short and maybe not riveting, but entertaining nonetheless. We don't have a ton to talk about. Um, This is, again, weird weekend. Most weekend shows are easy because we have a weekend of football to talk about. We don't have that, but we're also not to the point where we can start doing full free agency and draft talk every single show three times a week. I want to start that not this upcoming week, uh, not or I guess not this week, but next, once the Super Bowl is over, we'll probably re- react to the Super Bowl next Monday, and then starting next Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll be doing draft and free agency three times a week, every single show, so that's kind of where we're at for today, we have a couple of Titans news topics to get into here in just a moment, but then we're going to do a, a fun little exercise I've gone through and we've identified the 10 quarterbacks that I find most interesting in terms of where are they going to land in in 2023 to begin the year? Who's going to be playing? uh, Who's who are these quarterbacks going to be playing for? Or conversely, who who's going to be playing quarterback for some of these teams that are in desperate need of of a guy to command the huddle? So um, we've identified those 10. I have where I think they're going to go, as well as a team that I think it would be very interesting to see them go play for. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But um, to to knock out all the Titans-specific topics uh, here at the top, I'll throw it over to Producer JT. Producer JT, let us get into some Titans news.
1: Yeah, let's start with the Titans news here. And earlier this weekend, the Titans announced that they would be hiring former Buccaneers coach Lo Locus as an assistant defensive coach. Sounds like... She will be dealing mostly with the linebacking core specifically. However, she will become the first female full-time coach in Titans history. So, congratulations to her, and also Vrabel bolsters his staff here as he continues to make more and more hires.
0: Yeah, JT, here's this is a, not a political take, but this is about as political as I'm ever going to get um, as a as a person working within sports media. This is uh, so low locust. I believe her full name is Lori, but she goes by low. She was, if I'm not mistaken, the first position coach, uh, first female position coach in the NFL back in 2019 when Bruce Arians hired her to join his staff down in Tampa Bay. And there have been a lot of, I've seen a lot of, you know, anonymous, um, nameless, faceless, you know, jeff schwartz you know not jeff schwartz that's a real person uh i'll say jeff swaim jeff swaim stan account one two seven nine three uh dudes on twitter who have been like wow okay we've gone woke here for the titans hiring the the female coach like we'd say it's a pr stunt it's a publicity move and i'm not i'm not saying that that's not the case all the time i'm sure that there are some coaches out there that uh, are inclined to want to hire women or minorities to their staff because the women or minorities and not because they're the best coach for the job but pardon me for thinking first of all that mike vrabel isn't exactly the kind of guy that's going to make his staff worse by hiring somebody that's not good at their job my other take on on low and women in coaching at the nfl level in general is this if you are a woman coach or training staff member or equipment manager at any of these levels that we've or referee any of these levels in the NFL that we've seen women start to break in and and have gainful employment and succeed if you're able to do that especially on the coaching front however for an extended period of time I actually think I have more confidence in your ability to do your job at a high level than I would the average guy doing that exact same job and here's why if you were hired because it was a publicity stunt or you had a, you know, your head coach was this woke guy who was just trying to look good and and please somebody. Like, if you were hired for reasons other than the fact that you are a good coach, then you're not going to pass the smell test after a couple of years. But if you manage to succeed and find bigger and better jobs two, three, four years into your career as a woman in the NFL, frankly, that, that tells me that you have... You have been able to succeed in convincing your fellow coaches and the players that you're coaching to buy into you and your coaching style despite being a woman. And I don't mean that in the sense that women can't coach. Obviously, Low Locust is an example of the fact that they can't. A lot of women don't choose that as a career path, but they're not incapable of it. With, With Low Locust and any other women that break into coaching, in the NFL, the BS detector on players is strong, man, and it goes for players and coaches alike. When when a locker room sniffs out a, a phony, like a lot of people have argued this for Russell Wilson, it, it is it is quick and it is swift, the, the judgment that is passed down on them in, in the sense that they're treated in a different way than they would be if they became a part of the family that is a locker room, right? It, the same goes for coaches, and position coaches are no exception. If you don't pass the smell test for these guys, if, if they're in practice sweating their butts off in August and they you know they just don't think you have the goods as a coach, they, they're not going to buy in to what you're doing and it's going to hurt the position as a whole and it's going to show and you're not going to you know maintain your job, especially not going to get another job somewhere else. But another, I guess, more succinct way of putting it is this. If you're a woman who's been able to do this and have guys buy into the way that that you can coach at the NFL level I I'm I'm not I'm not impressed um I guess I I don't think you should be hired as a coach because you're a woman I think you should be hired as a coach I I guess because of you know being the best at what you do or one of the best at what you do and I'm impressed with the fact that you've been able to succeed, despite the fact that you're a woman and in the NFL that that's just the reality of it like people are going to be more skeptical of you. But NFL players clearly have bought into what she's capable of doing. And I I think Mike Vrabel obviously a, a good judge of football talent buys into what she's doing so I'm excited for her to be here I think a lot of people are excited for her to be here. I'm sure if she's good at her job, the players will buy in, and she's got a great group to work with here. Um, The the Titans uh, up front on defense are nasty. She'll be getting Harold Landry back, so I'm excited to see what she does.
1: Let's move over and talk about a couple of guys for the Titans O-line, starting with Nate Davis, Jim Wyatt, in an article earlier this weekend, responded to a question about Nate Davis re-signing with the team in which he said he would be surprised if Davis was back with the team next season. Of course, he is one of the key free agents that will be hitting the market Easton. Would you want to see him back?
0: Well, I, I think that I would, I'll be honest when this kind of circulated around the internet this past Saturday, I believe, It was something that I hadn't really considered. Like I knew in my mind, there's a chance that he's not back. He's a free agent. He's going to command a significant amount of money. He's had some injury concerns and some play level concerns like there's there are reasons you could build an argument um, as to why he shouldn't be brought back. However, I kind of had it in my head that because of the state of this Titans offensive line, because they have two or three positions that a lot of us have been penciling in, they've got to upgrade absolutely left tackle probably center assuming you know they they lose ben jones and then probably left guard because aaron brewer just isn't cutting it over there that's kind of how i thought things would shake out and if you've got three positions that you have to replace in one offseason on your offensive line you can't really afford to make it four right you can't afford to let nate davis walk who is a proven commodity a at the very least capable guard in the nfl but this is kind of shaking up my mentality, and I know Jim, great guy. He's always treated me really, really kindly. If he says it, I believe that there is, there is fire where that smoke is, right? I think if Jim thinks that he's probably not back, and uh, I believe Joe Rexroad said the same thing, that he is not expecting him back either. I'm not sure what they've heard, but I I believe that what they probably have their finger on the pulse of that situation better than I do. considering I hadn't even thought this was a thing that the Titans might consider doing. I also hadn't considered maybe Ben Jones comes back and and, uh, I think you have a little bit on that as well, yeah?
1: Yeah, so that's gonna be our final topic here on the Titans news. Uh, Following up with Ben Jones, it sounds like he still wants to play if he's able to. In an article interviewing him earlier this weekend he said quote in the offseason it's getting some surgeries getting healthy so when training camp comes around if I'm able to go and ready to roll I'm able to go out there and do it my whole thing is spend time with the family get healthy and get ready to play football like I always do if I'm able to still play at a high level I would love to keep playing if not grandfather time does happen and we'll see what is best for our family so it sounds like his head still sounds like he wants to play and give it it another go only if he is able to keep competing at that high level that he kind of sets his standards to if if he is able to easton would you want him back as well
0: a hundred thousand percent yes ben jones is the iron man of the nfl until this past season when concussions got him and the rest of the nfl by the way tangent i saw an article saying that concussions in the nfl were up like 16 percent this year which anecdotally sounds about right there were a ton of concussions um but but yeah besides his inability to keep his brain in decent shape this year he's been the guy that has played through any and every injury imaginable and he's sustained all of them and it hasn't mattered he's been out there this is another one of those things jt that I don't think I or many Titans fans had really considered as a possibility when he went out um, for the second time, went on IR um, for the remainder of the season. At the end of this past regular season, people kind of wrote it off as, OK, Ben Jones, probably going to retire, probably going to hang him up. Um, it just doesn't seem like he's going to you know continue to, to push his body in this way at, at his age. And it sounds like, and this is not shocking at all, Ben Jones mentally is still 100% in on football. He still wants to play. He's not mentally fatigued or you know un- unwilling to play. It's his body um, that that has to has to cooperate. Like the, his mind is willing, but the question is, is his flesh weak, right? And we don't know. It's gonna, I think, be one of those things that might come down to. OTAs. It may be like, we don't find out about what the Titans do. And and to be fair to the Titans, I suppose they'll need an answer before that if they're going to have to replace their center, but maybe not. Right. Because Aaron Brewer in house is a guy that they've talked about for a couple of years now as a guy who could take over at the center position. So maybe they're content to wait around and say, Ben, we'd love you back. If you want to come back, if you think that you're physically capable of coming back, come back, we'll have you back. And then if he decides he can't, you know, at the last minute, no worries we've got aaron brewer on contract he's here he'll play center for us and we'll just find another uh left guard so it's an interesting situation and i think it's one that um will be surprising if at the end of this thing the titans end up with ben jones and without nate davis because for a long long time the consensus assumption and you know what happens when you assume so maybe maybe we'll be made uh to, to look foolish over this the assumption was that they'd have nate davis and have lost ben jones
1: And that's going to wrap up our Titans news segment here. All
0: right. Thanks to producer JT for the Titans news today. Last bit of the show. Um, This is, I mean, a throwback show JT. How many times over the past year have I said might be a shorter show today. And then it went a full hour and 10 minutes because I couldn't manage my time in the show. And I just went and went and went. I'm batting a hundred. I know that I'm batting a thousand on that. I don't know how many times today for real, we finally did it. This is going to be a short one. Um, reminiscent of the old days. Shout out anybody that listened to this show back when it was the Titans 10, just me and a microphone in my room uh, two seasons ago talking about the Titans and what was supposed to be under 10 minutes. And even then, JT, I had a hard time keeping, you know (laughs) how hard it is to do under 10 minutes of a show? Very difficult. Um, But yeah, last bit today before we go, we're gonna spend 10 minutes or so talking about this. And this is uh, an exercise that I'll be honest with my, I'm I'm always, I'm the honesty broker here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to be, hundred percent transparent with our audience at all times. I wasn't jazzed about this topic when, when JT brought it up as something that we could fill in today, it was filler in my mind. We got to have something. Let's talk about it. And then I sat down and I started thinking about it, started writing down some notes, jotting down some ideas. You know, I went, I went full. Um, what, what's the, what's the scene? Is it from always sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie day is his hair's tussled and he's got strings and the like murderers board on the wall, trying to yep. connect the dots. That's what I was doing with these quarterbacks. These 10 guys, it was tough to figure out where I think they're going to go. And then I really sat down and spent about 20 or 30 minutes thinking about what would be the most interesting place to see them land. Where would I like to see them land that people aren't expecting them to go? So that's what we've done. That's what I've done. JT, you're going to pitch me each of these 10 quarterbacks, and I'm going to explain where I think they'll be to begin 2023 and then where I think you shouldn't cross out entirely as a possibility for them to land.
1: Yeah, let's start, let's get get right into it here and start with one who has been in the news this weekend, but because he's been asked a lot of questions on the golf course, and that's going to be Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, so with Rodgers, I think that the obvious answer here is the Jets. The The Jets, for their part, have made it eminently clear, like, listen, maybe the Jets don't get him, but Lord knows the Jets' ownership, GM, front office, PR team want the entire world to know that we're trying really hard to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how many leaks have you seen? Individual leaks have you seen over the past 3 weeks, JT, of the Jets saying something along the lines of it's been reported today that Jets owner, I don't even know his name, will quote, "do whatever it takes to bring in Aaron Rodgers." Like they want you to know we're trying really hard, um which is kind of reeks of desperation, but listen, you got to do what you got to do and if they think that they can land Aaron Rodgers, like that team's in pretty good shape. They're just lacking quarterback. And all of last season they lacked a tenable one. So I think that he'll probably end up there. They seem like the only team willing to go crazy enough to give the Packers what they're gonna want for Rodgers in a trade. And so um that's where I think he'll land. Where I think might be interesting is the Raiders. You've kind of seen them pop up as a possible landing spot in the past couple of days and and we're really maybe weeks, but it's been the past like four or five days that I've even seen people considering this. A reuniting uh, with his old teammate, Devontae Adams, would be kind of funny if Adams left just to be followed by Rodgers a year later. Um, I just don't know if that is really going to be a match with Coach McDaniel, uh, McDaniels, that is. And I don't know if he's going to see that as a a tenable situation. Is he the kind of guy to want to go into a division with Mahomes and with russ and with herbert and and compete at that level i don't know so i don't think it's as likely as the jets but it would be interesting
1: let's move on to our second quarterback here and probably the second most talked about quarterback this weekend being that he was at the pro bowl despite his team basically saying see ya well we're gonna ship you somewhere else it's got to be uh Derek carr
0: yeah the guy who was asked this weekend you've been this hot in vegas before he said i don't think so and uh it's probably why i'm gonna go play somewhere else next year um i think that the place he lands frankly Carr was the most difficult to pin down the the place that i i ended up landing on with him is the commanders i think the commanders are kind of a slept on team in the quarterback market this offseason because they look around in their division they're in the toughest division in football, at least this past year it was. They were a competent team, not a good one, but a competent one for most of the year. And every team besides them in their division got into the playoffs and they sat at home and watched. Ron Rivera has to be imagining he's got to get some, uh, you got to get the ball rolling as a coach here. Uh, he can't spin his tires forever or he'll lose his job. It's also an organization that, you know, is going undergoing massive, they're trying to sell, you know there's not really controversies anew but there there are massive controversies that have been hanging over their head for a while now kind of just a, a you know a, an ugly and gross and dangerous stadium situation like kind of a gross situation so not a super attractive landing spot but I could totally see them deciding we've got to go out and get a guy who can who can you know take us to the next level because they probably think that they have a team in similar ways to the Jets, that's not all that far off from being competitive. They've got a great wide receiver core. I'll be honest; I don't know a ton about their blocking situation, but I don't imagine they're great in the trenches offensively. Defensively, however, they have a great defensive front. They've got a very nice secondary that was, um, you know, good enough to to earn their secondary coach a lot of interviews uh, this this off season. So, I think that he'll probably land there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he can elevate them above some of those other NFC East teams. The team that I think could be interesting, though, could you see Derek Carr in a Buccaneers uniform down in Tampa Bay? I I don't know if he's looking for a team that is a um, situation most conducive to winning. Tampa Bay may not be it, depending on how much wreckage they have to go through in the next couple weeks, getting rid of potentially their wide receivers, um, some of their big ticket defenders, like they've got a lot of issues in terms of the cap. But Tom Brady retiring actually gave them a little bit of leeway that they would not have had if Tom Brady had gone off to sign somewhere else or if they had, uh, I guess, well, they wouldn't have traded him because he was a free agent. So if he had gone to sign somewhere else, they would have been in more dead cap trouble from Brady's contract than now, when he's decided to retire, and we'll see if that sticks, but it seems like it will, they are uh, able to, I believe, cut him in a, a post-June 6th cut, uh, June 7th, 6th? Oh, it's been a long day. Post-June, whatever the date is, cut, um, and and uh, save themselves a lot of money. So in that NFC South division, JT, you're a, you're a Falcons fan as well as a Bengals fan, but you, you, you pull for the Falcons as your secondary team, you know – as well as any of us, that it's a dumpster fire down there. Um, It's, I mean, Kyle Trask, I think, is the only quarterback under contract going into next season for the Buccaneers. So I could see them deciding, you know what, we're in a winnable division. Let's go get a guy that can help us win in Derek Carr.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like Derek Carr could go to any one of those four teams probably. It's just that bad of a division right now, and all of them are very QB desperate. Let's move on to a team that has seemingly a luxury of QBs and a couple of them are leaving and they're going to keep a couple around. But the one who is, who is leaving, as they said, he, they cannot see him coming back next year is Jimmy G.
0: Yeah. So Jimmy G is an interesting one. Um, I could see him landing a ton of places. I don't think that the jets are totally off the board. Um, It would come as a result of them failing to land Aaron Rodgers for sure. But I, I left the jets out of this. The two teams I came up with, I think the most likely landing spot for him, I said the Dolphins. I think that a reuniting with his former, not head coach, but former um, offensive coach in Mike McDaniels down there would make a lot of sense. He could back up Tua, potentially challenge Tua if there's still some concussion brain issues Um, if he continues to not be durable to you could see a another not durable quarterback and Jimmy G fill his spot and listen maybe the mentality would be if we take two not durable quarterbacks and play them together they make one durable quarterback I don't know like people there have been dumber things done in the NFL I could see him going and reuniting though with Nick Daniels he would fit into that scheme quite well he would benefit from, again, another position where he's got really nice weapons. And I assume they're probably going to try to upgrade on the offensive line this offseason. I could see that being a landing spot. The other spot, JT, what if he follows another former coach of his, D'Amico Ryans, and goes to the Texans? Now, I don't think this is likely, but I don't think it's off the board either. D'Amico Ryans, the new head coach of the Texans, former defensive coordinator of the 49ers, played, uh, Jimmy G played for years um, under, under Ryan's on the coaching staff on the other side of the ball. But nonetheless, I'm sure they have a working relationship and Ryan's is in a position where they have to find a quarterback. Now he said in his initial press availability, that they've got a guy when he's asked about who they're looking to get in the draft, they've got a guy that got it's coach speak, right? He's, he's just saying that they've got a guy right now, um, at quarterback, but they're going to go and get somebody probably in the draft, but. Could Jimmy G find a landing spot in Houston if the Texans decide we don't think we're quite ready to go all in on one of these quarterbacks in the draft? Or maybe we just don't love these guys at the top of the draft. We we've done our due diligence and scouting them and decided pass um, would be kind of crazy. I I wouldn't I wouldn't think it's a very good idea, but this is the Houston Texans we're talking about. They've done crazier. And although I think D'Amico Ryan is a good coach, he does have that connection to Jimmy G. So Jimmy G, the Texan, I find that interesting.
1: Moving on, it was reported actually earlier today, and there's been rumblings that this quarterback and his team in terms of contract talks are about a hundred million dollars off from each other, which is absolutely crazy. But where could you see Lamar getting that money from?
0: Yeah, so I've I've kind of gone back and forth on this, I'll be honest. Um I said a while ago that I thought Lamar Jackson had played his last snap as a Falcon and now or Falcon, a Raven, and now I, I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case I think it's probably slightly more likely now that he ends up as the Ravens quarterback again it sounds like they're gonna franchise tag him no matter what from what I've heard now whether or not he decides to hold in in you know July and August we'll have to see and that might complicate things and they may put him on the franchise tag and he may be stubborn enough to sit all year next year and it's the Tyler Huntley show again please God keep us from having to watch that I I do think however it would be more interesting If the Falcons made a move to go get Lamar Jackson. Now we're back to the poverty quarterback situation in the NFC South here. And I think that an Arthur Smith offense with Lamar Jackson at the helm would be sneaky. Fantastic. It'd be reminiscent of old school Lamar or old school Mike Vick down there in Atlanta, tearing it up in a very similar play style to the way that Lamar plays. I think that he could utilize those weapons really, really well. They've got a deep threat in Drake London, as well as a big body receiving tight end in Kyle Pitts, as well as a fantastic running game as it is with a head coach who's oriented in the running and running game and play action game. It, it fits so well. I think that he could be really nasty with the Falcons and make them the clear favorites to win that division, and frankly, be one of the better teams in the NFC. This is also me just maybe wishing every decent quarterback in the AFC to go go to the NFC. Get out, get out of the conference. It's a hellhole here. Please can we balance these things out a little bit? But I think Lamar in the 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 black and red dirty bird uniform would be a very, very fascinating possibility.
1: Next up, the quarterback who's probably the easiest on this list here to kind of think where they will probably end up next season it's got to be Trey Lance
0: yeah so I included him just because it's been a talking point for Titans fans but Trey Lance he's going to be a 49er we talked about this last week with the dismissal essentially of Jimmy G and with Brock Purdy not being even close to a lock to be able to start the season probably not going to be able to start the season at this point they've got to keep him around I don't think that Kyle invested all of those picks that he moved up or that he sold to move up and get Trey Lance just to bail on him after seeing him play 15 seconds in the league. I think he's staying with the 49ers. I'd put a lot of money on that if he gave me the, the odds on it. I do think that the only other possibility, frankly, is the Titans um, because of the Rand Carthon connection and because of the fact that the Titans are, again, not in quarterback trouble, but some quarterback uncertainty. If he were to go anywhere but the 49ers, I think the Titans would be the most likely scenario.
1: Moving on, it's the guy from right here in Nashville. It's Ryan Tannehill.
0: Yeah, also included because this is, in fact, a Titan show. Ryan Tannehill is going to be a Titan next year. I've talked about this at length already as well. He, I think that he stays, uh, despite the talk about the Titans inquiring about Rankarthen, inquiring about the the price for the first overall pick, potentially trading up to get a quarterback. Not out of the realm of possibility, but at this point, I still think very unlikely, I think, that Ryan Tannehill stays here. And uh, I think that he is the guy for Rand Carthon and Mike Ribble for at least one more season. However, if he had to go somewhere else, I think the Jets makes a lot of sense. Again, a consolation prize. If the Jets happened to lose out on the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, he'd be a marked, market improvement up there. And, and this is something that I've seen some Jets folks on Twitter talk about. Why would we want Ryan Tannehill to replace our already bad quarterback group? Like, you – Bad, you don't know ball, man. Bad take. You don't know ball if you think that that Ryan Tannehill wouldn't be a significant upgrade to the quarterback room of ribless Mike White, uh, Joe, former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, elite quarterback, and um, Zach Wilson, who is a disaster at this point. So I think that he could make that team really competitive and probably be uh, contending for second place in that division very comfortably, with the, the Dolphins or the Bills, uh, maybe even, you know, make a push and and get into that upper tier if they play their cards right in the offseason. So that's the only other place I could see him potentially going. Also, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, an honorable mention here, maybe the Falcons, just because of the Arthur Smith connection. But um, I think that that's not the most likely situation. I also find that not nearly as interesting as him going up to New Jersey and seeing what he can do with the Jets.
1: Our last four here are going to be the top four QB prospects of this upcoming draft. So we're going to talk about some guys who haven't been in the NFL yet. And we're going to start with the pretty much consensus at the moment, number one QB prospect in Bryce Young.
0: Yeah, so I think Bryce Young's going to end up with the Texans. Um, You know, this opinion could change as we get into the offseason into the draft talks. But as of now, I think that's how it works. Um, whether or not that comes at the first or the second pick, I don't know. I think there is a world in which somebody in the NFL gets really, really uh, excited for Will Levis goes up and gets him at one. And then young falls into the Texans laps at two. But I think the Texans also will highly consider moving up to that one spot to get Bryce young. They'll be able to connect him with, um, uh, uh, I'm totally blanking. Can you look up the name of the Alabama wide receiver who was drafted there last season? Uh, Didn't play with leukemia. Yes, 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 yes. yes. John Mechie, the third. Um, He was a a guy that played with Young at Alabama. You'd immediately, assuming the leukemia treatments have gone well and Mechie continues to trend towards playing this next season, that'd be a a really nice connection there. Um, I also think that they are a team looking for a, you know, a quarterback that is a sure thing. And in this draft, I'd say that Young is – The closest to a sure thing in terms of talent, it's just a matter of whether or not his frame is going to be conducive with him staying healthy in the NFL, which the Texans don't have a ton in terms of, you know, firepower to protect their quarterbacks. So we'll see how that goes. But I think that he probably ends up in Houston. The second most interesting or not the second most likely, but the most interesting situation for me would be if the Bears decide to stick at one and stick and pick and move Justin Fields. I don't think it's likely. But I think it's possible, and I think that they're going to think about it because they're going to do their due diligence. That that team up there is going to look at the film and, and weigh the pros and cons. Listen, Justin Fields has not become the passer that many expected he could be. Now, his situation has been abysmal. His growth has been stunted. I don't blame him for where he's at developmentally. But that doesn't change the fact that you could see an immediate upgrade from a passing perspective if you went and got Bryce Young. And, and depending on what people are willing to trade in this kind of kind of dry quarterback market in terms of you know guys that teams could trade for in free agency that could potentially become a you know top five quarterback in the league. he's one of the only guys that could be on that block uh Justin Fields. so we'll have to see um and, and I would find that you know talk about a a riveting first day of the draft if the the Bears just stick there and, and get and get Bryce Young off the board and then Justin Fields is suddenly on the market.
1: Next up here is the second consensus uh, quarterback prospect who's been fighting for that one spot in CJ. Stroud,
0: yeah. So Stroud, I'm going to say he lands with the Panthers. I think knowing David Tepper and the Panthers organization, they went and they got um they went and they got Frank Reich as their new head coach a couple of weeks ago. I can totally see them deciding Frank's never had he's He's been billed in the past as this quarterback whisperer, but as a head coach, he wasn't given the opportunity in Indianapolis to go and get his guy in the draft to develop a guy from scratch. And so they may be looking to with David Tepper's, you know, aggressive, arguably uh, arguable judgment, but uh, no doubt he's aggressively trying to be competitive. He's going to be interested in going to do that as well. I think that they're going to really, really highly consider trading up and getting one of these guys. And I think that Stroud would make a lot of sense for the Panthers. He's a guy that, um, is not too unlike what they've had at quarterback for the past year in Baker Mayfield. And then in, um, uh, Sam Darnold, I had cam Darnold in my my head, cam cam and, and Carolina that, you know, the connection, he was pretty good for them. Um, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, kind of that pocket passer, sneaky good arm, but mobile. Like, that's kind of what Stroud is, and um, I could see them falling in love with him. The other team that I think could make a pretty splashy move and come up and get Stroud at the top of the draft would be the Raiders. Listen, I wouldn't be shocked at all if McDaniels and that staff decide they want to get their guys in there. They want to start fresh. They want to do a kind of a, a light reset in that very competitive AFC West division. And considering the fact that, you know, the Raiders, frankly, are the most cash poor team in the league, they are not in a position with the John Gruden contract and now with the it's still on their books and now with the McDaniels contract on their books, they're not in a position to have two coaches no longer working for them on their payroll for years to come. So he's got some runway there, obviously, with the fact that they just essentially kicked Derek Carr to the curb and stuck with their new coach. I could see him deciding we're going to start fresh soft rebuild here, soft reset, competitive rebuild. We're going to go and get our guy. And I could see him falling in love with Stroud for sure. I mean, Stroud is the uh, most similar to like a Tom Brady guy in this draft to me at the top, that is, in the sense that he's more of a pocket passer. And I could see, you know, a guy who coached Brady and had a good bit of success with Brady over the years, falling in love with the guy in Stroud. And so I could see the Raiders potentially being the sneaky landing spot for for C.J. Stroud in the draft.
1: Getting into our final two here, has to be the hottest commodity on the QB prospect market. You either love him or you absolutely hate him. It's Will Levis.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've said for a while, I think, Will Levis, you are an Indianapolis Colt. I want it. I'm manifesting it. I think it is the perfect fit um, for all the right and probably wrong reasons. And uh, I think that's where he's going to go. I really don't have anything more to say on that. I think the Colts are going to either trade up and get him or decide that they can sit back and, and get him at four. Where I think would be interesting would be if the commanders decide, you know what, we need to be competitive. We're going to move up and get one of these top quarterbacks. I could see a guy in in Levis fitting the bill for what Ron Rivera wants. Considering the fact that he fell in love with Carson Wentz this past year, kind of a similar archetype, big bodied guy, very strong arm questionable in the decision making and accuracy department like that kind of fits the bill i could totally see the commanders falling in love with levis and deciding they're gonna sell the farm to go get him
1: and our last one here kind of the wild card of these top four is anthony richardson
0: yeah, so with Richardson, i I find him fascinating in terms of who's gonna who's gonna fall in love with him as a prospect. He could go way sooner than these two teams that I have marked and and it may, you know, if they fall in love, maybe it takes them moving up to get him. But I could see him going to the Seahawks. you know they they are rolling with Gino. it sounds like they're gonna pay him and they should. He earned it. But you know, there's some hesitation there, I think, in the same way that with Ryan Tannehill when he got his first extension, It wasn't this big barn burner extension that was going to screw them over if his great first year with the team turns out to be more of an aberration than the new rule. If that's the case with Geno, the Seahawks have got to be thinking, what do we have in terms of backup plan? And yeah, they've got Drew Locke, uh, old Buzz Lightyear's not cutting it up there. So I could see them loving Richardson as the backup for Geno. I think it's not the perfect comp. Um, They're not super similar quarterbacks, but... They are similar enough in the sense that they are uh, guys that can operate from the pocket. Richardson is for sure more athletic, but Geno's sneaky athletic in a way as well. I could see that working as a good duo tandem there and and them seeing if Richardson, you know, with a flyer at the top of the draft could be their future um, as a guy that is maybe the highest ceiling in this quarterback class. He's got a lot of potential, so I'm excited to see where he ends up. The other team that I think might could fall in love with them. Uh, once again, we're going back to the Falcons. I could totally see Arthur Smith deciding, look at this guy with a massive cannon arm with incredible running ability and in, in extreme durability at his size. He would be a great fit for the Falcons. I could see them moving up to get him there and deciding this guy can, like with Lamar and the other scenario, operate the, the run game efficiently, work well um, in the pocket, despite the fact that they don't have great pass protection, um, have the ability to scramble and and stay durable and and get yards um with his legs. but then also he's got the arm to take deep shots down the field to pits and and uh, their receiving weapons down there and and see what they can what they can do downfield on play action. So I really like that possibility as well. Um so yeah, I could see him being a guy that the Falcons fall in love with.
1: And that is the end of our list.
0: All right, that's the end of our list, and uh, I I rambled longer than I thought I would. The the sky is blue, the grass is green, all is in uh, order within the universe. So that's going to do it for today on the Hot Read podcast. Kind of a meh episode in terms of breaking Titans news to talk about, but we did promise you an episode on Monday, and here we are to deliver. So uh, appreciate what you have, and know that on Wednesday, in just 48 hours, you're going to have another fantastic episode of our show coming to you. First thing in the morning, we're going to have James Foster back as he will be with us every single Wednesday through the draft. We're talking drafts. Don't know the topic yet. Maybe we'll do a position group. Maybe we will do uh top small school athletes. Maybe we'll do, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do a, a, another mock draft. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a mailbag. Eventually we'll do a mailbag. I know you guys have a lot of questions and James has a lot of answers about this draft. So all the possibilities are on the table and you'll just have to tune in on Wednesday to find out what we decided to go with. So until then, Make sure to subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. We will read whatever you leave the review, whatever you say in the review box out on the show. The prompt that I've been giving you guys for two episodes now, tell us where you're listening from. I want to find the coolest place, maybe the furthest, most out-of-nowhere place that people are listening to the show from. So if you live somewhere cool or if you don't, let us know. We want to know where you're coming from. So leave us a five-star review, leave where you're listening from, and we will shout you out on the show. Until Wednesday with James Foster, we're talking draft. I am Easton Freeze for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great start to your week.